Hi, everyone. Welcome back to You're Such a Catch. I'm Erin. You knew I couldn't stay away for too long. I missed y'all, and I've heard from some of you that the feeling is mutual. So I'm going to be releasing a few bonus episodes while we're in between seasons. Some will be original content, and others will be collabs like this three-part series I'm introducing today. Y'all remember my sweet friend, Christy Katzman? She's the host of the She's Unscripted podcast. She and I have teamed up to share a few of our favorite episodes on each other's shows. For the past few weeks, Christy's been sharing your Such a Catch episodes, and for the next few weeks, I'm going to be sharing She's Unscripted episodes. Here's the fun part. Since we've both been guests on each other's shows, those episodes are obviously at the top of our list. If you want to get reacquainted with Christy, she's my first guest on season three, her episode entitled, I Claim Self-Worth. Christy and I met through a divine connection, the beauty that is the universe. She's easily become one of my closest friends, biggest supporters, and favorite femalepreneurs to collaborate with. You'll love her content so much, you'll want to follow her on social, at Christy Katzman. Christy's also a valued member of YSCC, the You're Such a Catch community. You're always welcome to come find both of us there and to follow me on my journey at You're Such a Catch. Christy originally released this episode on her show last year when I was still in my relationship. To show you the impact Christy's had on my life and how this has all come full circle, she was the first phone call I made after I broke things off with my ex. Yep, I called her with tears streaming down my face, and she listened and supported my healing journey beyond anything I could have ever asked for. Christy, if you're listening, thank you. Your friendship is an incredible gift. From rooting for you on TV to in real life, you're the real deal, girlfriend. So without further ado, here's Manifesting Your Dream Life from She's Unscripted. Welcome to She's Unscripted, where tearing up the script is not only welcome, it's the name of the game. I'm your host, Christy Katzman, and I'm taking you on a reclamation revolution to get clear and create the life of your dream. Hey everyone, it's your host Christy, a former good girl gone rogue, and you're tuned in to another episode of She's Unscripted, where tearing up the script is not only welcome, it's the name of the game. This season is all about reclamation of self, and based on the work I've done and my personal experiences, I've selected joy, purpose, wellness, and love as the pillars to help guide us there. Last week, we heard from author, actress, and podcaster Gabrielle Stone about her epic journey to self-love and the plot twist that led her to find new purpose. She is most definitely living the abundant life of her dreams, and her story is a true embodiment of owning and loving your life. This week, I'm thrilled to introduce you to Erin Ramsey, the host of You're Such a Catch podcast, coach, and manifestation guru. Erin started her journey determined to unlock and document the secret to finding true love. And guess what? She did just that. In today's episode, Erin shares the true secret to finding love and claiming everything you want in life and more. But before you get too caught up in our chat, be sure to subscribe and share this episode with a friend because truly we're all in this together. And with your help, I'm starting a reclamation revolution. Hi, Erin. Hi, Christy. I'm so excited to see you. I know. I'm so excited to be here. I just feel like I'm chomping at the bit because I have all these questions to ask you, but 
everyone's going to learn about me that I like my guests to introduce themselves because you all have a lot of interesting things to say about yourself. And I think it's a great way to kick off the interview. So Erin, for my listeners who don't know you, share a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do, and um, how you found yourself here on my podcast today. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, how much time do we have? <laughs> a lot to get into, Erin. I know. I'm like, wow, the universe is a crazy place. But yeah, I'm Erin. I like to think of myself as everybody's favorite former single gal. So I have my own podcast called You're Such a Catch. And basically, I started this journey documenting my life like an open book. I was single for six years and I found myself in this place where I recognized recognize that all of my girlfriends, we we all had all these different similarities, right? Like we all are pretty and smart and fun. And well, I think we're all fun. But, oh, you're fun. But we had this commonality. <laughs> we were all single and I just could not put my finger on it. And so I decided to volunteer myself as tribute to try to uncover the secret to dating and dating in LA specifically. And so that has opened the doors of this podcast to me meeting you, me getting to interview and talk to dating coaches and relationship experts and finding that my true passion is wanting to help women because spoiler alert, I learned something. I had a full on transformation after nearly two, you know, seasons of podcasting that the secret to finding love and basically two relationships, it, it all starts from within. And I don't know why I didn't realize that, but it took this whole process and this transformation for me to go like, oh, whoa, this is the secret sauce. The secret sauce exists inside of us. And so now I just have this passion to go out into the world and to help other women realize that it all starts with you. Okay, Erin, you said so many things that basically embody everything that this podcast is about. <laughs> so I'm over here like chomping at the bit. I wasn't going to start here, but given what you just said, I do maybe want to go there first about love and, and self-love because this is something that I'm exploring in in the podcast as well. So you led with a little bit of a spoiler that you are a former single girl. So we'll get into that. But you touched on something that's really important, and that is self-love, which I think is really crucial for finding that right relationship, but like you said, for so many things. So had you already hit that point where you could say that you truly loved yourself before you met your person? So Christy, I would love to say that I truly loved myself, but I think I thought I did. <laughs> I truly think I thought I did, but looking back, there were so many things that I was doing that would lead me to believe otherwise now, um, taking a step back from everything. So many things come to, to top of mind. But I mean, even the way I would allow somebody to treat me on a date, I am a recovering people pleaser. And I sometimes would do things, say things, act in a certain way because I didn't want to upset somebody else or hurt their feelings. And why I felt like I owed them something when we had swiped right and gone on one date. And I mean, it's mind blowing. So I definitely feel like I've taken a lot of strides and I think it's an ongoing process, self-love. I mean, I had a lot of healing to do. I'm a divorcee and that came with a lot of 
things for me to unpack and to work through. And I, I think I'm finally to a place where I can say, I love the person that I see when I look in the mirror. Now, do I still have post-it notes all over my kitchen <laughs> with affirmations? I hope Hell, yes. yeah, I do. <laughs> Everyone should have post-it notes in their kitchen. I'm not even kidding. I do. I do. I have them everywhere. It's all about mindset and progress over perfection and just continuing that journey of of self-love and self-discovery. Okay. We're going to jump back to this. And I think that is like, you just said a bunch of things. I think a lot of women are nodding their head to right now, particularly the people pleasing, because I think a lot of us could say why. And I think it often takes us down a road that we now find ourselves where we're at in this moment of what I'm calling like reclamation, right? Where you finally Mm -hmm. start asking yourself what you want, but you've spent so much time trying to do the right thing, trying to be perfect, trying to make everyone else happy that you lose touch with yourself somewhere along the way. So this is why I'm like, oh my gosh, Aaron's saying it all. What I want to do is like take it back a little bit because there's a lot of things about your story that I resonate with. And I think a lot of women listening resonate with like you were and are a total boss babe. Okay. So we're pivoting away from dating. And I think a lot of things come with having a big career. And one of them can be, I think, getting a little out of touch with your personal life. But can you share with us a little bit of your backstory with career? And I know that kind of leads into your marriage, which you you touched on. And, and maybe even specifically in there, share with us any reclamation moments you had. Yeah. So, I mean, I hate to bring it all the way back, but it kind of it will make more sense if I do that. So I graduated from college with a degree in human environmental sciences, and I had a minor in business administration and also a concentration in fashion merchandising. So I thought I was going to get my diploma and go out into the world and have this killer job in the fashion industry. And that did not happen. <laughs> like so many other people, you just kind of expect these opportunities to unfold. And then life has its way of throwing things at you and you have to pivot. And so you make choices and you make decisions because you need to survive. Or in my case, I wanted to stay in Southern California. I didn't want to move back home. I really fell in love with Southern California. And my folks were like, Aaron, well, you need to get a job. So my first true job out of college, are you ready for it? Yes. The reality check. Yeah. Yeah. My first real job out of college, I wore an orange apron at Home Depot. Okay. Okay. That's that's my mom's dream job. I'm not kidding you. So, (laughs) I mean, there is nothing wrong with working there. I think for me, it was just like, okay, wait a minute. How did you find yourself here? Because you didn't need to go to college for four years to throw on that orange apron and, and go help people. Well, and, and the orange apron alone is a far cry from the fashion industry, right? No knock on <laughs> Home Depot and the orange apron. But I think, yeah, someone was laughing at you, Erin. <laughs> I know. Oh my gosh. Like sometimes it's so funny to even think back and be like, oh yeah, that was my life. It's all about the glow up, right? I'm at Home Depot. I actually was going to be um, this outside, like an outside designer program where you go into somebody's home and you help them pick up their paint and their carpet and their window coverings. And I'm like, that is kind of up my alley. And that program went away pretty much right after I got there. And so I was truly like working in the store and I met my ex-husband there, 
which is just like the whole thing is just an interesting story. But my boss at the time, she had gotten promoted and there was a spot open. And so he was technically like covering as my quote unquote boss at the time. And we had gone to like a happy hour or something and like really kicked it off. And I was kind of fresh out of a breakup, which has kind of been my my jam has been like, you're in one relationship that ends and then you move right into another relationship without really taking the time to unpack and and truly heal and also kind of assess like, okay, what's my claim to stake in the reason that relationship didn't work and just trying to kind of assess post breakup. There was none of that. It was like move from one thing to the next. And so I distinctly remember we had gone on a few dates, right? And the store manager of the entire the entire Home Depot, he was having a conversation with her. And I, I couldn't do that. Like, I am, I am so into rule abiding. It's like to a fault. There goes that people pleasing thing, right? And so I was like, we have to out ourselves because this is not right. Like, you're technically my boss, da, da, da. And so <laughs> one day he goes to the store manager and he tries to tell her, Aaron's seeing somebody in the store and she wants to be upfront and honest about it. She's thinking about transferring and da, da, da. So we're trying to be on the up and up. And so... She goes, really? Aaron's dating somebody in the store? I mean, she's she's usually into darker skinned men from what I know. And, and he looks down at his arm and looks back at her and she's like, oh, I get it now. So, so that's how we came out to our coworkers at Home Depot. And I actually ended up staying at the store because I went and applied and took a management role as well. So we were more like equals. And things move fast, but it was tough to work with somebody a full, whatever, 8, 10, 12 hours. Sometimes we'd have to work overnights on a drop of a dime and then like spending all your time with them. Like it was like truly there was no break or independence. And that is only a small reason why our marriage did not work. But I know you want me to keep going on my career path here. So well, I okay, go but down I do want to path. interject a question here, Erin, because yeah. I feel like, well, romantic Christy. I think there was like fairy tale Christy, and not to say that I'm jaded because I'm really not, but there was this. I think most of us grow up reading fairy tales and thinking at some point if we do everything right, we're going to get the fairy tale, right? So I'm wondering. I can see how you think. Yeah, you didn't think you were going to end up working for Home Depot, but lo and behold, you meet your match. Right. Mm -hmm. It's almost like it's a meet cute, right? Do you know about like the meet cute? It's like, oh, you yeah. get the job you weren't expecting, and then oh, you you meet your prince charming. So how I'm just wondering, like, if, if that's what you were thinking at the time, and then as we kind of move on to this next section of the interview, because you've said you're divorced and obviously you moved on from that career. How did you feel then when it fell apart? Yeah. I have had those moments, Aaron, and I think the first time it happens in a major way, it rocks your world. Yeah. Well, I, I have to say we were such good friends. Like I was in my early 20s. I wanted to have fun and, and it was funny. We could work all day and then we could go to the bar and have a great time and pop up real early in the morning. And it was as if nothing ever happened the night before and you do it all over again. And that was great. And I truly do believe that I was, we were in love. We were in love. But I think we had some fundamental things that were missing that when 
I came out of the relationship, that fairy tale where it's kind of all based around love and those other things kind of don't matter because we don't see that in a Disney movie, right? We don't we don't no. know. I mean I mean I guess some of it we we could potentially know, but like when you're we were raised vastly different, we had quite a few different beliefs on things and it, and I don't think that people can't have a success I mean people can have a successful relationship when they have two different perspectives but I don't think we have the tools to communicate properly and to kind of work through some of those issues and I think you have to have both parties who are willing to come to the table and go okay we seem vastly different on this this subject matter and that's okay but like here's how we're going to move forward and progress but instead what happened to us is like we moved forward, but we grew apart, if that makes any sense. And I think we had dated for four years. And what I at that time in my life, everybody was getting married. And, and not only were all of our friends in our friend group married or we had been in their weddings and, and attended their weddings, but now they were starting to have a family. And so I think there was a pressure there because everybody kept asking us at the four-year mark, well, when are you guys getting married? And again, that people pleasing, and it wasn't even like my, my folks or anything. They, they've always kind of taken a backseat, like no pressure for marriage or grandkids or anything like that, which, which is nice. In your friend circle, that happens a lot. And it's kind of like, oh, well, why we don't have a reason to truly break up right now. So maybe we should be taking that next step, doing what everybody else is doing, keeping up with the Joneses, if you will. And so we made a decision to go through with it and did the big old wedding and everything. But in hindsight, I think I knew, like I can recollect a, a moment in time where I actually was sitting at our kitchen table and addressing our invitations, kind of having like a pit of a feeling in my gut, like, ooh, maybe this isn't the right thing to do. But at the same time, I was like, but I'm so invested. Every Everything's in forward motion right now. And that would be terrible if I called off the wedding. And so I went through with it. And I, and I honestly believe that I would still be married to this day if he hadn't been the one to come to the table and say, I don't want to be married and I don't want to have children because I would have probably stuck it out thinking divorce isn't the right call. Like I made a commitment for life and which is a scary thing to think. It is scary. And I can, I'm like nodding my head over here because I can relate so much. I, I say this, I haven't talked a lot about my marriage. I had a very brief marriage and it was a very extreme divorce. It was a very extreme situation. It was God awful at the time. But looking back, I'm so thankful that it was so extreme because I would have stuck it out too. Mm -hmm. And even if he had turned out to be the nice guy I thought he was, I was inadvertently settling because I was just, I was a little bit older. I, I was at that point and the biological clock was ticking. I didn't think I was at the time, but I think, oh my gosh, thank goodness, actually, he didn't turn out to be the nice guy because I would have had a nice life. And it's like, I haven't been the girl that wants a nice life. Like, I, <laughs> I've been right. like, off to the races since kindergarten. I mean, I like joke about this. So what, what the heck did I decide that nice enough was good enough? And yeah. as awful as that time was, I totally relate to that. Because if I hadn't been forced to basically file for divorce, I would still be in that marriage. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So I, mean, I get that. It's wild to think about. There's times in my life where... 
I almost forget that I was married. But then like all this chat about dating and relationships all the time, I have to remind myself because I want to be able to help other women just like you're helping other women, right? Because when we talk about something, we're able to then relate to somebody else. And I think to the people out there who may have like wanting to get out of a relationship on their heart, I think it's great that we can say, look, we made it through a divorce and like we're stronger and better because of it. Because I can truly say, I, I said this on, the, on my podcast, I said, if I pass my ex-husband on the street, like the two words I would tell him are thank you because he honestly gave me a second shot at love, at life, at it, I mean, at it all. And yes. it took a while to realize that. I mean, because there was so much hurt and this feeling of almost failure. I mean, like you, like I've always been kind of this high achiever. And in any other thing in life, you can try harder, apply more time to it. You can <laughs> improve your skills or whatever. But the thing about relationships is it requires two people to want to do that. And when the other person isn't willing, you're at a loss. But sometimes it ends yes. up being a gain. Yeah. yeah. Really random side note, but I have to ask you, Erin, because <laughs> I'm laughing because I do this. So do you check single on like your medical forms? Like, you know how it says like divorce, married, single? Mm -hmm. I totally check single. I was like, I'm I not defined by divorce. It box. is ridiculous. And this isn't even about me having a short marriage. I don't care if my marriage was long. I was like, why would that change anything? I've always been independent. I was the breadwinner in my relationship. I'm thinking, what does this even mean? That question gets under my skin so bad that now I'm just like, single. Yeah. And I feel like I agree. Boss when I check it, I'm just like, <laughs> no hesitation. I, I love, I love that you do that because I what do the do same do? thing because yes, I, I, love it. I just dislike it altogether. I'm like, why, Wh what does that mean? Why what do does you that mean that? Like, and what's the difference? You know, like the, the marriage the I got because maybe you have joint insurance or, but, but that I just like, I don't get it. it drives me crazy. So anyway, like total random side note, but it, I think I had to fill out a form recently and I, it, and I have reached this point where I don't feel like an ounce of guilt checking single. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I'm a right there with you. Yeah, I, like, exactly. I want to shout to everyone else in the waiting room, check single. I'm like, don't, don't check that box. <laughs> Okay, so take us to what comes next. This is like the first big pivot, right? This was like your first big pivot, yeah. Pivoting in relationship, mm -hmm. you're pivoting in in your career. So what happened next for you? Yeah, so man, I had already actually switched jobs during our the early years of our marriage, which I do also kind of think attributed a little bit to the hardships that we faced. So my ex-husband, he lived by the beach when we met. And so his lifestyle was going and surfing every day. And because of my job and my work, we moved further and further away from the beach. Like if he knew that I lived a mile and a half away from the beach now, he'd probably be like, really, Aaron? <laughs> because <laughs> at that time, I think it was probably like a good 45-minute drive or whatnot for him to get from our place to, to the beach. But I had already transitioned to a job in the automotive space. So my uncle, who actually helped me get the job at Home Depot, he was going to buy a car. And he said, Aaron, this guy's looking for an executive assistant. Like, I know you're kind of tired and burnt out from the hours at Home Depot. It wasn't really what you expected. So why don't you give that a shot? And so I went with my uncle to the car dealership. He picked out his car. And while it was getting washed and, you know, all fixed up, we went out to lunch. And 
I wasn't dressed, Christy, for like an interview. I mean, again, I was like so young and didn't like put two and two together. So I think I showed up in like jeans and a white t-shirt and we went to In-N-Out Burger and and also my uncle's there. So it's very casual, but I take one bite of my double-double and the sauce is like bloop, bloop onto my shirt. (laughs) And I was like, all right, Aaron, well, he's not going to call you back. So there goes that. (laughs) I kid you not. This is like true story. You left a lasting impression, Aaron. He's never going to Oh, I did. You. <laughs> I did. But apparently he didn't mind. And so he emailed me or called me. And I think I started that Monday. And God, I mean, that one little funny interview at In-N-Out Burger led to 16 years in the automotive space. And once you're in, most people don't get out of automotive. And so just to give you a little bit of like a timeline of me in the automotive space. So started off as that executive assistant, did that for about a year and a half. And then my boss actually was let go. And so I no longer had anybody to be an executive assistant to, but the company didn't want to lose me. And so they said, well, we have a job in marketing. So applied for that, got the job in marketing. But the whole time I was watching this department and this department was kind of floundering. And I kept going to my my new boss going, put me in coach, you know, I, I can turn this around. I've, I've got all these ideas. And he kept telling me, Aaron, you have no experience. Like, why would I? No, you you haven't managed anybody. Like I manage people at Home Depot, but (laughs) you haven't managed anybody here. And I'm like, no, really, I can do this. So one weekend I went home and I wrote a business plan. And Christy, that Monday morning, I came into his office and I said, here you go. And I said, let's go over this. And he said, all right, I'll give you 30 days. And 30 days turned into seven years. And for my work in that department, I, I grew it from three people to 20. We were selling over 125 cars a month out of that department, bringing in $500,000 or more in, in profit. And I was recognized as 40 under 40 in automotive news. So it worked out. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. How old were you when that happened? I mean, obviously under 40. Yeah, I think it was 32 that's when I was amazing. recognized in automotive news. Yeah. Okay, first of all, what was in the business plan? Oh my gosh. It was a breakdown of everything that I just was observing that was not going right. I mean, everybody has bought a car and most people will say the car buying experience is similar to going to the dentist, right? Totally. (laughs) I was just going to say that. Took the words out of my mouth. (laughs) People think of car people like they think of like lawyers, like everybody is just terrible, right? So my whole goal was I was just being myself. I I was like, you guys know, you answer the phone like this. And when you tell somebody you're going to do something, you do it. So my whole department existed because somebody else really couldn't follow through, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So we were the nice, friendly voices on the phone who scheduled your appointments or followed up with you to find out why you didn't buy the car. And we also took all inbound sales calls. So it's so much better to get somebody who's ready to answer your questions directly and actually be helpful versus somebody who's like trying to eat their Del Taco and go smoke a cigarette or whatever's <laughs> happening. I mean, not not everybody's like that, but you know, well, there is no, a lot I mean, of it. I'm in sales. So I, I totally relate to what you're saying because I remember when I first, because I went for being an acupuncturist and switched into sales in the natural products industry and took off right away. And everyone would be like, well, gosh, what are you doing? I was like, I don't have a secret. I think I'm just being a good human. I think that was the mm-hmm. truth. It was a sad reality that just by knowing what I was doing, being passionate about what I was doing, being honest, delivering, doing what I said I was going to do, 
the sales came. Yeah. I was like, well, just be a good human. So like, I'm sort of laughing because I totally get it. A lot of times there isn't this like big secret. It's it's kind of doing what you know you should be doing. But I, I have to give you a shout out though, because clearly that's inherent to who you are. So that feels very natural to you. And I think maybe some people just just don't get it. It's it's not how they operate. So it's, it's interesting. Okay. So I have to ask you because automotive, again, this is far from fashion, Erin. So you pivoted out of home. Now. You now land in the auto industry, turned into a long piece of your career. What made you want to stick around? Oh, Christy. I mean, I hate to say it, but the money. I mean, the automotive space is one of the only industries I know where even somebody who doesn't have a lick of an education can make hundreds of thousands of dollars. And they're still making hundreds of thousands of dollars. And I don't think I'm totally motivated by money because obviously I'm making a major pivot right now and still figuring everything out. But what I think I am motivated by is an ad girl and seeing my name on the leaderboard and breaking records and having somebody be proud of me or accomplishing a task with a team. And I really felt a sense of obligation. I mean, obligations is a, is a bad way to phrase it, but I built that department with my blood, my sweat, my tears. And those women that worked for me, they truly became friends. And and that was hard too, because here I am a people pleaser and I'm trying to make everybody happy. And now I'm a manager. And for people who don't know in the automotive space, like typically the only department that's full of women is the business office. And so here I created this whole sector of, it wasn't like I was only trying to hire women, but men weren't really applying for those positions. But I found this sweet niche of moms who took a pause from their career to have and raise a family. And then when their kids were grown or in high school or they felt like they want a need to get back into the workforce, nobody would give them a shot. So I had this like flow of of women who wanted to come work with me. And oh my gosh, I mean, it is such a misconception. Like these women show up for you. They try so hard. I mean, they always say like, when you want a task done, give it to the busiest person. Like these women (laughs) were on it. clearly busy, yeah. Well, they're right? juggling a lot too, right? I th- I love that. I love that. That's so good. So yeah. great. So I will say during that time, Christy, though, I did make a lot of poor dating choices, things that I'm definitely not proud of, things that I also had to really come to terms with and work through. And what kind of ended up happening is I wanted to progress in my career even more But I was living in this large home and it was full of these empty bedrooms that I had anticipated my children being in. And I had the most fabulous neighbors, but I was never home to enjoy their company or even my little puppy dog. Like I was always in the office. I mean, I would typically be like one of the first ones in and then I would leave, be one of the last ones to leave. And it wasn't a very great existence. So it was just work, 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 work. And I because I'm a people pleaser, my phone was on 24-7. So all weekend long when I was off, I was still on. And I was always giving my cell phone to customers and stuff. So I was just always being helpful Honda when I really should have been looking out for Aaron and I wasn't doing that. And then I wanted to kind of move up again. And my boss was like, just like he was the first time, Aaron, you haven't done this. You don't have this skill set. And I'm like, but what do you mean? Like, I just, I just did this. I, I just proved you wrong. You know, 
I fortunately had a wonderful mentor in the car business. We still talk today. He's He's been on my podcast. He's fabulous. And he said, Aaron, like, why are you limiting yourself? He's like, why don't you make a list of everything you want in a dream job? Write all of that down. And he even said, like, I don't care if it's like superficial. If you want to look out the window and see a palm tree, write it down. And I did. And after I won 40 under 40, my phone started to ring. And I had this one opportunity of this company and I, re- I remember distinctly, we used to go to, to Las Vegas every year for a big convention. And I'm at my current company's booth passing out Tootsie Rolls. And I look across the way <laughs> and this company has a live DJ and they have a fully stocked bar. And everybody is just in a great mood, buzzing around their booth. And I'm over here trying to get people to sign up for free money, but they're they're not doing it because they're over there dancing to the live DJ and enjoying a Bud Light. And so I thought, well, that's where I want to be. And so when that company called, I went and got that list out of my pantry. My pantry is like my storage place for everything, weirdly. And I found it and every little thing was checked off that list. But Christy, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. None. Okay. I feel like you just gave us a teaser because we're talking manifestation here, which I'm a huge proponent of. It's something that I'm really digging into right now. And I know that we're not going to talk about this yet, Erin, but I want to let everyone know that Erin manifested her unicorn. So remember how she said she's not single anymore? This manifesting and creating a list came into play there too. But let's stay on the creating a list for, was it career or was it just the life that you wanted? Did it encompass both? Do you remember anything that you put on the list? I do. I do. I looked for that list. I I found the notebook, but I must have taken the list out of it. But I do remember things because one thing for me, after my divorce, I was kind of on an island. I wasn't near any family. So it was really important to me to live closer to family. So that was one of the things very high on my list, just to have like a support system. Not that I didn't have great friends because I had the most amazing friends that I still keep in touch with to this day. There's something about family. And so Mm -hmm. I live five minutes from my brother and it is amazing. I mean, it, as I am thinking about next steps in my life right now in present day, I have to keep that on my list, even though it's desirable to move to some place that might be a little bit less expensive than California, but it's like that family, you can't replace it. So that was huge on my list. I did want to be by the beach. And like I said, I'm a mile and a half from the beach. And I also had a certain you know dollar amount that I wanted to earn. And that position far succeeded that number that I wrote on that piece of paper. So, Okay. I think this would be interesting thing to go into a little more. What was it about seeing that company that resonated with you that you thought, aha, like the list is pinging in your head or in your heart, right? Can you like verbalize that? Can you share what it was that resonated with you that that was it? That was your next step? Yeah. So my boss, when I was in the dealership, he had been to this office. And Christy, if you could have gone to this office, let me just tell you what our life was like, okay? We were so spoiled. So we had a chef. There was a chef. Oh so my God. every day I you could get mm-hmm, <laughs> you could get breakfast or lunch. Then we had beach volleyball on Wednesday. So everybody would clear out the office. And I'm not talking at like 
five or six. I'm talking at like three, if if that. And we, I mean, I'm not even sure. We, we used to laugh. My, my gay best friend, Aaron, and I, we used to laugh because we would be like, how do we even keep the lights on in this building? Because nobody's ever here, right? But I mean, I learned how because I'll get to that. <laughs> but yeah, so we would go down on Wednesdays and we would play beach volleyball together and then hit the bars after. On Thursday, we have uh, beach yoga and Fridays were beer Fridays. So at like noon or in the case of Aaron and I, at like 9 a.m., we'd start with mimosas. And literally, it was like hanging out with your friends. You know what I mean? And the office vibe was super cool. We had all these fun furniture and everything. I mean, I used to throw a football around the office with like the engineers because I'm like, you guys, lighten up a little bit up there. They're all programming and I'm like, incoming. <laughs> yeah. When, and those of you that don't know, Aaron's a huge football fan. So this I is am. like, this is probably like the biggest perk of all for you. I mean, I'm with the chef, but I think the football, Aaron, <laughs> might be your, that souls you. <laughs> I know. I know. And then we had a ping pong. I mean, you'd be like, this is work. It wasn't work. It was so fun. But then I took a traveling role, Christy, and I didn't get to utilize those benefits because I was on the road three to four days a week. And there are a lot of things that are really fun and nice about that. But when you do that consecutively for years, it takes the glamour away. <laughs> yes, it does. I'm raising my hand because that that was me as well. And it's tough. It's tough. And everyone thinks that it sounds really fun, but it wears on you. I think it does cut into your personal life. I mean, this mm. was actually when, when I was married, I took what was perceived to be like a step back from management back into a sales rep because I didn't, I was traveling every week. And at that point I was like 37. I wanted to start a family. I thought I have got to get a good job because I work in a niche industry. I, I work in supplements. There's like a coveted amount of companies you want to work in. It's very limited. And I was like, I have got to get one of those jobs. Right. So I feel like these are the mm -hmm. decisions we're always balancing. So I totally get that. It's glamorous at first, but it, it's, it's physically, mentally taxing, and it also starts to just envelop your whole life. Like, that becomes your yeah. life. So I think you kind of answered this question because what I was thinking is, like, this sounds like you made it. <laughs> like, you were living the life. So what happened? Yeah. So I also want to just say I did give up a lot to take this role or that job. And, and I want to talk about that just really briefly, only because I think sometimes we're so scared of change that we hesitate, or even if we know something is like right for us, we, we want to put up this fight about it, right? And so I had to sell my home. I had to give up my life that I had been building for 10 years, whether I was the married part of my life or the divorced part of my life. And I had to walk away from all of those opportunities in my friend group. But what I will say is looking back on it now, like I would make that decision time and time again because where I am now and the synchronicities and the blessings and all the things that came from the universe once I just said yes and moved into motion, I mean, I could have never predicted all of these fabulous things. Like it's so much greater than we have in our own head. We just have to listen and trust and go with the flow sometimes. So that's a big takeaway, right? Huge, huge. I mean, you have to take a leap of faith sometimes. And, and like I'm saying, like, I know people like I went to high school with who have never left my hometown, who still work the job that they had in high school. 
And I just wish for that. And, and I mean, sometimes that's that's fine for people. Sometimes people are perfectly happy doing that. But like for me, like I always knew there was so much world out there and there was so much like beyond my comprehension that I wanted to be involved with and that I wanted to say yes to. It's scary. I mean, let's just be honest. Like, it's scary. And I don't think that stops because we're presented opportunities all the time, like whether or not we take them, but which we can dive into as we continue this conversation. But I just have to make that very clear. Like, I still had to give up some things and kind of get out of my own way. Yeah, I think that's a huge one for women. I I think we can get in our own way. And I think it's because we feel like we have to be 200% sure that we can do something or that we're qualified to do something. Like, do you know how many men like say yes to a promotion? Flat out don't have the qualifications, but don't question themselves. I don't know. This is like oh, a female right. thing. So I, I love that you said that because I think it is, I, I almost see sometimes the getting out of your own way is the saying yes mm-hmm. when there's risk or when you're not sure. I do love that you pointed that out. I think I think that's a really good thing. I'm like laughing right now because I recently just randomly watched Yes Man with Jim Carrey. Oh, uh-huh. <laughs> I, I've been like tossing that around lately. I might have to do like a solo cast on this, like because I, I it, it's interesting. I think it, it does appear that I've taken some big risks in life, and I have, but it's weird. Like some of these things that look really big or scary to people don't feel that scary to me for some reason. I have this whole list of things that maybe seem like smaller that actually like terrify me. Really? And I, yes. Yeah. It's really, really wild. So I feel like I need to do this solo cast where I have like a yes day and literally mm-hmm. like have to say yes, say yes to, to everything. everything. Like, do you want oh. to drink with your coffee? Yes. Do you want yes. like... <laughs> yeah. Well, Shonda Rhimes has a book like The Year of Yes. Oh, yeah. I don't know if does. you've read it, but I haven't yeah. read it. Is it uh-huh. good? Yeah, it's good. Well, I okay. love her, but yeah. Stay tuned, everyone, for future <laughs> solo casts. Like, what could go wrong, right? <laughs> I'm thinking of terrible scenes from the Jim Carrey movie, and we all know what could go wrong. Okay, so I, I love that, Erin. So what happens? I guess, what what was the sort of collapse of this mm. empire? Yeah, so, I mean, here's the, here's the, like, beautiful thing about the universe, right? It's always listening. And I think... I think like I was under some sort of assumption that here I am building my career and working, working, working. And I'm not even sure what I was working for exactly because like I said, even though the money was great and it was affording me this wonderful lifestyle, like I didn't really get to enjoy any of it, right? Because I would get asked to go to girls night or whatever and I would have to kindly decline because I was flying to Seattle or Texas or, you know, Florida or wherever. I covered 32 states. I mean, I was always on the go. And likewise, I always wanted a partner in life. I wanted somebody to share things with. I wanted somebody to go to the Charger games with me. That was huge. I was like, I hated having to go in the 11th hour and be like, who wants to go to a game with me? I mean, it's silly, but it's like depressing. It's like, God, you know, I just wish I had somebody who wanted to go and share this experience with me. But I would get asked out on dates and it was always like, well, how's three weeks from Tuesday. And we all know that we're in a reality right now where everything is instant gratification. I mean, people can't even watch a 30 second TikTok video. They have to scroll to the next one. And so nobody was going to wait three weeks to go on a first date with me or have a second date with me. Or if they did, they were going on multiple dates in between. And so I don't want to use the word competing, but the likelihood that I was going to progress in a relationship was so minuscule. 
And, and that was hard because I had to come to kind of like a realization, like, whoa, I'm giving so much of my time, my energy, my effort. The best hours of my day when I'm on, I'm giving to a company that I didn't know at that point in time, but later would learn didn't really offer that back to me in reciprocation. And so then this little thing called the pandemic hit. (laughs) I was working from my kitchen table doing the same job that I did on the road, three to four days a week, in and out of hotels, rental cars, airports, not even knowing what floor of the hotel I was staying on because last night I was on floor 15 and tonight I'm on floor five. And am I at the Hilton Garden Inn or am I at the Courtyard Marriott? I can't remember. I'm loyal to both, (laughs) to both both hotels, which was funny in itself. I'm doing this all from my kitchen table. I'm still working long hours, but I'm sleeping in my own bed. I have a routine now. I'm able to work out. I'm able to couldn't really eat super healthy food because everybody took all the food off the shelves and out of the freezers here. And one day everybody here was all vegan, gluten-free, keto, whatever. And now it's like everybody's fending for themselves. But I found myself going, whoa, like there's more to life than chasing being number one in the country or president's club or whatever it was at the moment that I thought I was getting from giving my best hours, my my all, my blood, my sweat, my tears to this company. And so I took the pandemic to continue to date. Like I, I also thankfully recognized just because the world is stopping doesn't mean like our dreams have to stop. And I had interviewed an author. Her name's Sarah Centrella. I had interviewed her for the podcast and she's really big on vision boards and manifestation. And I read her book and I'm huge on self-development and and I do the homework because there's value in the homework. And actually that's where the value is. It's not necessarily in their words, but it's in you putting pen to paper. So it was September and I had just come off the three best months of my entire career. In June, I was 200% of my lofty sales goal during this pandemic from my kitchen table. Again, I was not traveling, not taking clients out to dinner till two, three in the morning and picking up $1,500 bar tabs. That was no longer. I was making my own cold brew from Trader Joe's and you know, <laughs> sitting at my table for hours. And and July was 185% of my, my lofty sales goal. And then August was 150. And I mean, I was pacing for my best year yet. And then I wake up one morning and my typical practice is I wake up, I don't check my phone. I go straight, make my cup of coffee, do my gratitudes. But for whatever reason on this morning, I picked up my phone and I noticed I had a string of text messages. And that wasn't abnormal. And the reason why I made sure I adhered to my gratitude practice is because when you're on Pacific Standard Time and the majority of your team is on Eastern Standard Time, they've been working for several hours before you. And there is nothing that can like change the trajectory of your day than waking up to a bunch of crazy texts. So anyways, but this day I, I looked at my phone and I was like, well, that's interesting. I knew something had to be wrong because there were so many text messages on there. And then I realized that in the thread, my boss had been removed from the conversation And uh, somebody had gotten wind that a bunch of people were going to be losing their jobs that day. And Christy, I didn't believe it was going to be me because why would they let go of somebody who just hit 200% of goal, 185, 150%. I was bringing them so much money. I was a yes man, just like we talked about. I was doing all the things. 
And so I'm texting everybody back. And then as the day is progressing, people are getting text messages or people are texting to the thread. I just had my call with HR. I'm, I'm done. I just had my chat with the boss in HR and I'm done. I'm like, wow. And everybody had had their call. And then boom, my email goes off and it's like, you need to jump on a call in 15 minutes and it's a Zoom call, right? Oh my gosh. And I thought to myself, okay, like, and I'm an emotional being, so I know I'm going to choke up. But I also knew I wanted them to look me in the eyes because it's really easy to not turn your camera on for them, right? Then it's like, okay, I got to tell her she doesn't have a job anymore, but I'm not even looking at her. And these are people I had spent countless hours with. And I, and I respect them and I still have great relationships with them, but I didn't want to make it easy on them. I wanted them to know that this was obviously changing my life. So get on the call. And I will tell you that VP had a really hard time. I mean, this is a man who is probably closer to retirement than I, you know, am aware, you know, I don't know his his plans, but you know, he's been in the business a long time and he knew that I truly cared. And so he teared up, he choked up when we were on the call and I was like, okay, you know, and, and that felt nice. It was a little bit of validation. And then I hung up on that call and I experienced the gamut of emotions I went from everything from anger to sadness to I'm free. So I had about 48 hours to really, I allowed myself 48 hours to really kind of figure out what I wanted to do because of course the next day I get the phone call that I'm allowed to reapply for essentially my same position. However, it would be at less compensation and my goal would be higher. And I went back to the homework assignment that I did from Sarah Centrella And one of the exercises was write out where you'd like to see your life in five years and depict what your day looks like. So I really started flipping through all that homework. But when I got to that section and I read it, I kind of like smiled because that job didn't exist in my five-year plan. But what did exist was a family and the podcast and me helping other women And that for me was all I needed to make a decision. And it wasn't a popular decision with my friend group or my coworkers or even my parents. And I think that was the first real moment where I didn't people please and do what I thought everybody wanted me to do, but rather I did what Aaron wanted to do. And was it scary as hell? Because true transparency, I'm still figuring it out. And I just celebrated my one month or excuse me, my one-year anniversary of losing my job. That was September 18th. If I could even explain to you all the amazing, wonderful synchronicities and things I've been able to do and experiences I've been able to have or manifest, I was walking back from, and I'm jumping ahead, so sorry, but I was walking back this weekend from a hotel. We were at a conference, and it was raining, Christy, and we held the umbrella up, and we walked in the rain, And we just took it all in. And I thought, this is living. Because any other time when I had been in in a place for work, I never saw the outside of my hotel room or a GM's office or a fancy restaurant that I had to be on for. And so to be outside, and like most people would probably be going bananas because it's pouring down rain, but I was just like, (laughs) this is living. You know what I mean? Like this is living. Like everything is all right in the world and I'm here for it, so. Okay, Erin, this was your reclamation moment. Not the rain, that's just very romantic. (laughs) But I'm going back to you thinking about applying for that job and making the list after you read the book and sort of realizing that's not it. That's a reclamation moment, 
right? Like that mm-hmm. was it. Yeah. I mm-hmm. love it. I love it. And then I think this is me that because this whole podcast is about reclamation. I have been saying this a lot to people lately, and it's a big aha moment that I had recently as I like I'm continuing on my journey. I think for a lot of us women that have done a lot and tried hard and were always self-improving and we've put ourselves out there, I I used to keep trying to grab more, be more, learn more. What next? What do I have to do? And then it sort of like hit me recently that like, well, nothing. And what I mean by that is like, this isn't about reinvention. It's about reclamation. It's about really understanding who you are and all that stuff you have inside you and all the stuff that like you've been learning all these years and taking it to actually create the life that you want, right? It's a reclamation. It's not having to really reinvent yourself or start over again, but it does mean checking in with yourself. And I think so many of us as women can relate to following different scripts, following the shoulds, doing what we think is going to be enough or make us successful. I think it does take these big moments to sort of give us that reality check that we're not on the right path for ourselves, right? Like there is something more and we can have it, we can claim it, but it's it's not, I think, a lot of times what you think it's going to be, <laughs> right? Right. But when you were talking, I'm just like, I'm like, this was Aaron's reclamation moment. Your moment was like creating that list. And like, thank God you had like the insight in that moment to say no more, right? Like, this isn't it. Or I'd still be in the thick of it. And yeah, so many things that have happened since then in this last year, I would have never experienced. I would have never been present for I would have never been open to. So, I mean, in my mind, hindsight is always twenty twenty. but in my mind, that was the universe's way of going, boom, here's a swift kick that you need. And I could have, let's go back to like yes. in the beginning, I could have protested and been like, no, I'm, I do whatever to stay in this. But I, I took the opportunity, took a leap of faith and I went with it. I mean, it felt very strong. Once I read that back to myself, I was like, decision is made. Yeah. Why do you think you had reached that point where you were able to do that? Because I do think there's a lot of people that get to that point and maybe have that defining moment where they can go left or right and they go they go back to what they know, even if it doesn't feel right. What had happened that you were in that place, do you think, where you could realize you wanted something different? Mm. You wanted something more. So many things, but I think I was losing myself. And I think that that job opened me up to some things that weren't really aligned with my moral compass. And I think that's difficult. And and I can re- I'm going to recollect one moment in particular. So when my gay husband or my gay best friend, Aaron, who I referenced earlier, when he used to work at the company, that's how we met, I was felt always protected because he was always with me and it was a deterrent to other people because we were like bosom buddies following each other around and doing everything together. And he looks out for me. He looks out for me still to this day. So grateful for him. And after he had been let go of the company, and that's another thing I can think of off the top of my head, at least five very close friends who all were let go, you know, from the same company. But we would go to Vegas every year for this sales convention. And when you put thousands of (laughs) sales employees in one space and you're feeding them alcohol, things are bound to happen. And I remember on this particular evening, I had not one, not two, not three, not four, but five married men all try to basically like get me to go up to their hotel rooms with them. 
And I just, I mean, at one point I just grabbed my heel, took my shoes off, grabbed my heels, went up to my room crying. And I thought to my, you know, I didn't have my protector anymore. I wasn't strong enough in my own voice to shut it down because fearful, like I have to work with this person tomorrow. I have to collaborate with them on client deals and and that. And I'm not going to go talk to a manager because then they have to go. And, you know, and it's this whole cyclical thing that I just, it, it was messy. And talk about like the Me Too movement, right? And I just, those moments were so sad to me. And why was I subjecting myself to that? Why why was I making those choices to to be in those settings? And, and I was at a company that wasn't really protecting me from that, right? So I think thinking about those times, and there were plenty of those times, not even just mm-hmm. with people inside the company, but with my role and having to take people out and wine and dine them, that I was like, I want more for myself. Like, I'm ready to throw the talent on that. And I'm ready to like swap that for changing diapers and <laughs> trying to juggle taking a shower <laughs> during the day because I'm with my my little one or learning how to cook. I mean, whoa, so that I can contribute to a marriage or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I just had this moment where I think I... I was so in my, you know, masculine energy because I had to be, right? I had to be doing, doing, doing to to stay competitive. I had to be kind of one of the boys, right, to leverage that to get things done and always on the go. Like I was never really in my divine feminine. And I think that I recognize that. And I'm like, as much as I'm a tomboy, like I want to embrace my femininity and I want to still have that partnership and I still have this dream of having a family and the path that I'm on is not taking me there. Yeah. And I think sadly, a lot of what you just said, a lot of us sort of brush off because it's been, it, it's been normalized. I think that's changing, but it's been normalized. So it does take these moments for us to go like, wait a minute, what the heck am I doing? This is actually not normal and this is not okay. So as we kind of wrap up, Aaron, this is like leading me into the, some of these perfect. I want to, I want to like try to put some bows on things because you've said so many great things. But even with that in mind, what you shared, looking back, what do you feel like you gave up for success? Like this definition of success that I think a lot of us have been chasing for most of our lives. Right. I think I gave up some of my authenticity because I wasn't staying true to myself. I was trying to be somebody that I wasn't. I was trying to be somebody who did the things and performed it in such a way to get that recognition or to get that pay bump or to be competitive with the guys who I knew were probably making more money or would get promoted faster. And I think not having you know, anything tying me down, just being a single person and being able to devote 14, 16 hours a day to what I was doing allowed me to do that. But at the expense of so much, my health, my happiness, just a sense of security and looking in the mirror and going, okay, I recognize that girl. I know who that girl is. And I think I lost that and it had to be found again. And like I said, I'm still kind of a work in progress right now, but I will tell you that the girl that I am right now, when she wakes up out of bed and she's got a little bit more pep in her step, she leads life a little differently with much more of like a servant's heart and just this overwhelming passion to just help others and 
even if it's not in dating and relationships, maybe it is in making a different career choice or getting out of a situation that isn't healthy or whatever the case may be. The woman that I am right now, I like this this woman a lot better. <laughs> well, I didn't know the other Erin. I'm sure she was fabulous, but I love this Erin. So <laughs> I'm rooting for her. <laughs> Thank you. You, you kind of answered this Erin, but I, I want to pull it out a little more because I think it's really important because I, I do think a lot of us lose like we get out of touch with our authentic self from a very young age, especially women with all the people pleasing. So how were you able to kind of get back in touch with the real Erin? And yeah. then you kind of said this, but how would you define success for yourself today? Mm. So getting back in touch with my real self, I mean, I think that was just kind of accepting like we're all uniquely different and I knew from a young age, I was never going to be like a size two. Like, that's just not who I am. Like I have curves and I've got a booty and, and these things. And, and rather than like wishing, I, I mean, even my hair. So it's so funny. My hair is naturally curly and a, for a lifetime I have straightened it. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's just funny. Like I have always tried to, what do they say? Like the grass is always greener. You oh, always yeah. want what you can't have. And so Especially moving to LA, I think that was a little bit of a culture shock. It was like, okay, you can't, you no longer can wear like the leggings from like Old Navy or whatever. Like you need to be in the Lululemon and you need to have your hair this way and you need to have the, the false eyelashes and you need to be a certain size and you need to do all these things. And we can't get into it right now, but even like in the dating world, like that was a struggle. Like I actually had an instance where somebody told me like, oh, you're too heavy. That's why you're not meeting somebody. And Oh my God. I, yeah. And I, I mean, I could have listened to that and internalized that, but like I knew, like I had enough common sense to go, no, like you're a healthy person. Somebody else's opinion doesn't matter. And so I think when I started to honor myself, it felt so good. And it took a lot because even after my divorce, like if you asked me, Aaron, what's your favorite color? I would be like, I don't know what's yours. And then you would tell me. And then like I might for a moment, even if you said like blue or something, I might be like, oh, maybe that's my favorite color. But the truth was like everybody else from an outsider's perspective is like everything you own is pink. Pink is your favorite color. And But like I had to relearn that, you know what I mean? And so during the pandemic, my, my company, before I was let go, they offered us eight free counseling sessions handful of people took advantage and other people were like, eh, don't need it. Right. I was like, hell yeah, I'm going to take advantage of that. And I did. And I never saw the woman's face. If I heard her voice, like if we were, if we were in the grocery store together and I heard her voice, I would like turn around and give her the biggest hug, even if she had her mask on, whatever, because that woman changed my life because she basically would do these very long pauses because she knew I knew the answer, but I didn't want to say it because I was waiting for her to validate my point. But she led me down this path and she helped me basically realize who I was and find myself again. And I'll forever be grateful to her for that. I mean, again, you have to do the work. Like I did the work. I did all the homework assignments because like I said, I, <laughs> I love me a homework assignment. She gave me the exercises and the tools to kind of do that and pull it out of me. Thank you so much for joining Erin and me for this episode of She's Unscripted, where we dove into the importance of self-love for not only manifesting the relationship of your dreams, but as the gateway to true happiness. If you loved our conversation and want to hear more, you're in luck because I'm releasing a special bonus episode with Erin tomorrow, where she discusses my four pillars of joy, purpose, wellness, and love. 
And trust me, she's serving up some great tips that you don't want to miss. In the meantime, be sure to follow me on Instagram at Christy Katzman so you don't miss a beat. And you can learn more about Erin by following her on social media at You're Such a Catch or tuning into the new season of her podcast where she's talking all about claiming more. So until next time, keep it real, dream big, keep taking action, and know I'm in your corner every step of the way. You've got this. We'll be right back.